You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to The Sports Fix. Good morning, everybody. Election day in our fine country. I'm here. Tom's here. Aaron's here. This show is presented by Window Nation. If you're in the market for windows, call 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com and tell them we told you to call. I would assume, Tom, that your commute on a holiday, even with the bad weather, was pleasant this morning. It wasn't pleasant. It was one hour and 25 minutes. An hour 25 on a holiday. Yeah. Yeah, and that, I would consider that a good commute. What do you think this holiday is? Is it just schools? Most people are at work today, right? Well, I think people who have to take care of their kids because it's a school, they're off, have to stay home. I mean, you have always that factor. Okay. So that reduces it a little bit. You know, look, being an Italian, I, I think Well, I you're can, half Italian half and half Italian. I can and sp- half Irish. I can speak to this. I've seen the Irish side before. <laughs> I'm, ready, I'm ready to trade Columbus Day for Election Day as an official federal holiday. In other words, look, I mean, it's Columbus Day is a little bit embarrassing these days. <laughs> At this point? You know? A, a, you a mean we've bit. learned a little bit? Yeah. So if if they want to just, you know, not add another federal holiday, but just change it to Election Day so, you know, most people are off so they can, you know, either vote or not vote, I'd be fine with that. We can just forget about Columbus Tommy Day. Tommy was very nice. Um, he brought in some things this morning to spruce up our new studios. He brought in several bobbleheads. Uh, Bryce Harper bobblehead. No, uh, Bryce Harper. Denard Span bobblehead. A Bryce Harper uh, chia pet. Oh, chia pet. I'm you, sorry. You have to put seeds that's in Max it. That's Max Scherzer okay. And grow it. Yeah, Scherzer oh, that's bobblehead. Oh, Scherzer. I'm sorry. You, yeah. you brought in, yeah, and you brought in a Buck Showalter. Snow globe. Snow globe. Yes. I love snow globes, but I don't know if I need a Buck Showalter snow globe. Well, you know what? What was there before? Nothing. Nothing. Okay. <laughs> What's in this studio Nothing besides right I'm looking at a garbage can, toilet, uh, Paper towels. Do you remember my office? Yes. There was nothing in that yes, either. There's less, there's you less know, in your office. Do you know why? In. You had a, an office that was basically a shrine to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Am I right? Yes. Yeah. It was you, the Lavero Museum. Yeah, you had the Lavero Museum <laughs> at 980. And I have always had an office that had very little because I just always felt like, God, if I start to put too much in this office, it's just going to jinx it and I'll be gone. <laughs> You know, you had the kind of office of a guy who's ready to leave town at a moment's notice. <laughs> Just in case. Just in case. <laughs> Meantime, when you walked into Tommy's shrine, the shrine to Tommy, I swear to God, the things that he had in there were very interesting. I had a Geiger counter in my office. You, you did have a Geiger counter. Yes. You also had all of your old press passes. Yes. Like you, you and you tweeted one oh, out. Oh, 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 me uh boxing press passes. Oh, they were just boxing. Just boxing. Um the one that you tweeted out the other day about the Holyfield bow fight the uh, third in 94, was that the fan third man one. fight or not? No, that was I was at the fan man no, fight. No, that I the fan man fight I was not at. I was at that I fight. I was at the first fan man flew in right over my head. <laughs> right over my head. And I was at the third Bo Holyfield fight. Okay. That was the third one. Got it. Where he knocked Holyfield out in, in the 8th round. And one of the the things that you tweeted out this weekend, I know this, is one of your all-time favorite fights, maybe sporting events, was George Foreman beating Davey Moore. Not Davey Moore. Michael Moore. Michael Moore. I that's meant. okay. Um, I mean, that's the single greatest sport. The greatest sporting event I've ever covered was Cal Ripken breaking Luke Eric's record. The single most great, because the Foreman-Moore was not a great fight. Uh, George Foreman was getting his, his butt kicked for right. nine rounds. 
but in the tenth round, he comes up with this short right hand that puts more on on the canvas. That was the single greatest sporting moment I've ever covered. I can remember it vividly, like like it happened yesterday. Everything I saw after that, I mean, basically it was at the MGM Grand Garden and it felt like the place lifted off the ground when Moore went down and, and everyone knew he wasn't getting up. That is, uh, that's, that's, that's interesting. I, I, I know you've talked about this, that fight so many times. I remember watching the fight. I don't remember it as this incredible, significant event, but it really was in so many ways. I mean, that George Foreman, like. 21 years, 20 years after losing the title to, to, Ali. to, to Ali, coming back at the age of 45, a long shot against Michael Moore, getting beat for nine rounds. He had no chance to win that fight. Exactly. And it was it was a great and, and plus he was such a likable guy at that point. I mean, America they, loved George Foreman. They were buying his grills left yeah. and right. Uh, one of the great business uh, transactions of all time for uh, George Foreman. All right. Uh, we'll get to the Redskins injuries here. John Kimes going to join us. On the show, as the Redskins well. were like uh, weren't were weren't even like Michael Moore on Sunday because they weren't winning the first nine rounds of that fight. No, they weren't. And you know the problem with them, uh, some columnist in town has written about this. If they don't win in the early rounds, they're in big trouble. <laughs> they're not coming back. They're not built for the championship no. rounds. I want to talk about the Monday night game though for a moment. Uh, the Cowboys lost uh, to the Titans last night, twenty-eight to fourteen. They could be done at three and five. They've got the Eagles and the Falcons the next two weeks. Both of those games are on the road. Sunday night in Philly and then the following Sunday in Atlanta. So the Cowboys are staring three and seven. Yeah, I think you can stick a fork in them because they don't have they don't have any recognizable intangible to overcome what they're facing. Not certainly not coaching. No, because they have uh, they have similar issues uh, yes. over the years in Dallas, and and we recognize what those are here. Jerry Jones did say emphatically no to an in season coaching change, um, but he also said the following quote: "I don't like the way we played tonight. Had we played a lot better tonight and had the loss, then I would be more positive about that. We've got to play better." Closed quote. Now, I want to I want to just mention a few things about this game because I thought there were a couple of interesting things. First of all, last night was one of those NFL games that when you look at the final result and you look at the numbers and the finish in particular, late third quarter, fourth quarter, you would say, well, Dallas never had a chance. Tennessee was the better team, and they were. They were the better team, and they deserved to win the game. But the early part of that game, if you were watching, and many of you were, was a chance for Dallas to basically grab the game by its neck and never let Tennessee up, and it just didn't happen. Tommy, they took the opening kickoff, the Cowboys did. They moved the ball, the ball down the field, best drive of their game the entire night, and they miss a short field goal, a short field goal. Uh, they get a turnover because Demarcus Lawrence, who is one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, Beats the beats the uh, right tackle, swipes the ball out of Mariota's hands. Cowboys sc- score three or four plays later. They're up seven nothing. It's still first quarter. Next drive, Tennessee fumbles. Dallas uh, takes over midfield. Get a big play. First and goal from the four. About to go up fourteen to nothing, and really should be on the verge of going up seventeen nothing against a team in Tennessee who is not built to, to come, come back. back. Yes. And so it's and and what happens? Dak Prescott throws a backbreaking interception. Now in the moment you're like, okay, they're still up seven nothing. 
Tennessee goes on a 15-play, nine-minute drive, 80 yards, ties the game at 7-7, and it's like Dallas isn't the same after that. It's like the football is is like this much more, I think, than basketball because there's so many possessions in basketball. There's so many sort of momentum shifts in, in a basketball game. But last night, if you watched, if you got up this morning, watched the highlights, listened to everybody comment about the game, Dallas sucked. Tennessee was great. Dallas's season is over. But there it was early in the game, and a lot of NFL games are decided with these things. They've got a chance essentially to take a 17 to nothing first quarter lead. It would have been over against Tennessee, more likely than not. They miss a short field goal, and on a second goal from the five-yard line, Dak just throws it into the end zone, and it gets picked. Now, I will tell you this. They're limited in in many ways. They're limited clearly organizationally. They're limited coaching staff-wise. Scott Linehan has to go. Dallas is very lacking in imagination offensively. At least when I watch them, I see that. Dak Prescott is not a Hall of Famer, as all Cowboy fans had basically anointed him his rookie season. He's not. He's limited. Um, And Tennessee is a very good defensive team. I will say that. They're a very good defensive team with a guy that, just mark my words, within three or four years will be a star in this league, Harold Landry, the outside linebacker from Boston College. I loved him coming out. He's going to get coached well in Tennessee uh, with Vrabel and Dean Pease, who left Baltimore and is down in Tennessee now. He's going to be a star. But they've got a lot of good defensive players, period. And they're a good defensive team. But Dallas is, I think... Because of this little shift in, you know, from a potential 17 nothing first quarter lead to its 7 7. And yeah, they had chances after that, but they couldn't move the football. And Tennessee last night, um, I don't know what you think about Mariota. There are games when I watch Mariota and I'm like, you know what? He's a good quarterback. You know, last night they did it every possible way. But you have to convince yourself he's a good quarterback. You have to convince and that's, yourself. That's not, that's you know not why, good. Though? That should tell you something. It, it does tell me something. That when, when he's not good, his body language is all wrong, too. You know, he looks, he's this very laid back dude who, when things aren't going well, you just look at him and you just think, eh, he doesn't even care. But like last night, he, they're running read option. They're running RPO. He's dropping back and throwing it well. He's bootlegging it. He's he play everything you can possibly do with an offense last night with Matt LaFleur as the offensive coordinator. Yes. Just think about this. On that Shanahan staff, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur. Matt, Matt LaFleur is going to be the next one. Yeah. I don't know if it'll happen this coming offseason, but it'll happen. He'll end up getting an opportunity to be a head coach in the league. I think, I can tell you this, I don't think Cooley is as impressed with Matt LaFleur as he was with Sean McVay and Kyle. He, he thought Kyle was was a genius like, like McVay. I don't think he ever felt that way about Matt LaFleur, but... You know, you, you saw things last night and you just think, well, another guy falling off the Shanahan tree is going to get a shot um, at some point. Just not in Washington. Yeah, but back to back to Mariota, I, 
I don't know why he can't do some of the things he did last night in every game he plays, why he's so inconsistent, why when they get down, you know, his body language. Well, I mean, it didn't last year at Arrowhead in the playoff game. I'll grant, I'll grant you that. You know, they're down 21-3 at half at Arrowhead in the playoffs, and he had a great second half. Well, they ran the ball, too, and they've got backs. Deion Lewis is a good back, and Derrick Henry's a really good back. Uh, by the way, um, Amari Cooper last night, not bad in his debut. Looked like b- b- he was better than anything else that Dallas has. But anyway, um, that was the game last night. And, but, da- and I think that the Cowboys, you know. I, I think they're done. I think they're done, too. I, I think they're done. They also which, have which New means, Orleans on the schedule. They have the Redskins coming in on Thanksgiving Which means Day. the only thing in the Redskins, the only obstacle in the Redskins' path to the NFC East or the Eagles. Yeah, well, that's a big obstacle. Yes, since you have to play them twice. (laughs) In December. Yes. Um, I I know I've said this to you before. It's not that I was really rooting for the Cowboys. When they got down, I was glad to see them sort of, you know, the shots of Jerry up in the booth. And just, they're they're a mess, honestly. It's a loser of an organization. And they're always going to be that way as long as he is calling the shots. But I I was sort of hoping for a big-time Thanksgiving Day matchup record-wise. I love it. And it could could be a real, real, like... Well, the Redskins are going to... It could be a turd. Well, the Redskins are going to have a better record than the Cowboys. But they could be Well, they they both could be 5-5, I guess. They both could be 5-5. Yeah. The Redskins right now... After the injuries yesterday, they went from a being a one-point dog to a three-point dog. They're a three-point underdog. Is a five-and-three team at Tampa playing a three-and-five team. All right, I wanted to to, uh, to get to that next. If if you missed the injuries yesterday, Paul Richardson, Brandon Sheriff, Sean Laval, all to the injured reserve. That's not... adding adding to Trent Williams, who's already out for the next three weeks, probably. And uh, what I'm hearing, and we'll check with John Kime in a little bit, is that Thompson is not going to be rushed back at this point. They may get Crowder back this week. That could be a positive. And it looks like Jordan Reed, thankfully, was not injured seriously. Yes, uh, in that game. Um, so yesterday, I wanted to get your thoughts on this. I, I, you know, right when the injuries were announced, I, I think I retweeted Kime, who put it out, you know, quickly that uh, share. It was during we we learned of this. I think maybe somebody else broke it. I don't care about that. Um, but Jay Gruden's press conference basically announced these three players had gone to injured reserve. I think Ian Rappaport actually announced it first, uh, and I tweeted out the following. Um, I tweeted out, look, the defense is much improved from last year. Um, The organization got the leadership they told us they were dearly missing at quarterback last year. They're playing at Tampa, Tommy, which is not like the situation a year ago where they went into Seattle with an even more injured team than they have right now. At Seattle, not at Tampa, at Seattle, who was 5-2. and And they won that game. And my last line to this tweet was, this is an organizational measuring stick game coming up in Tampa. This is, to me, this is the game where, you know what? You better, the, the effort and and the desire and the urgency and the leadership and the toughness, it should all be on display. Because a year ago when they went into Seattle, all right, 
They didn't have John Allen. He was already on injured reserve. Inactive that day, Trent Williams, Spencer Long, Sean Laval. Three starters were out along the offensive line. Jordan Reed was still out. Jamison Crowder was out. Matt Ioannidis was out. They had Brian Quick, Terrell Pryor, and Ryan Grant and Josh Doxson at wide receiver. And by the way, Josh Doxson and Terrell Pryor weren't even healthy going into that game, but they had to play. They had Vernon Davis and Sprinkle. As their tight ends, Niles Paul was out. Rob Kelly and Samaje Pirine were your backs. There was no Adrian Peterson that day. Uh, Kelly and Pirine combined for 27 yards on 16 carries, which was pretty much uh, what they were uh, last year as a run offense. And they won. And and let me just say this to those of you listening. This isn't about Kirk Kirk Cousins solely. It's not. Even though on that particular day... (laughs) He was under siege the entire game, yet managed to lead a a late 70-yard drive with two huge throws to win the game 17-14. But most of you don't remember that because you only remember when he loses the games in the fourth quarter because he never won any. Um, But in that game, Zach Brown stepped up. Brian Quick stepped up. They had Will Compton on the team. He played well. Kendall Fuller played well. So, you know, you're missing pieces from a year ago, but you got what you wanted. You got the leader you wanted. This is the guy that was supposed to be not only better than the the guy last year, but when you were faced with adversity, Alex Smith, you could turn to. This was an organizational decision. The guy they were convinced was not only better, but the guy that could lead. The guy who was a better leader who would get you through these rough spots. And clearly you're going into Tampa, a worse team than the team you faced a year ago in a similar spot, with a better defense, a much better defense, and a much better player at running back on yes. offense in Adrian Peterson. Go win the game. Show us as an organization that you plan for this, the injuries, because they are a reality in the NFL. You have to deal with it. You're in first place in the NFC East, and you're going to Tampa, not Seattle, Tampa, where there there will be Redskin fans, many of them, in the crowd. It won't be a true road game on Sunday. You're shorthanded. You've done it in tougher circumstances before. To me, this is a orga- this is an organizational measuring stick game because you know what, Tommy? If they lose this game, the wheels could start to come off at five and four with Houston coming in off a of bye week with two more against the Eagles. And I, I wanted to mention this earlier when I was talking about Tennessee. You know, the Redskins are facing on Sunday in Tampa the last of the bad defensive teams they will face this year. Every other team left on their schedule is capable defensively. Tennessee, Jacksonville, Philly twice. Dallas has talent. You know what? The Giants have talent on defense. This is the game that your offense, with even the injuries, your quarterback is going to have to make some goddamn plays on Sunday and win the game. Your defense, you've got a great defense. It's going to have to step up and win the game. Your season is not over. I saw a lot of people talking yesterday on Twitter. Oh, they, they got blown out by Atlanta. Now all the injuries. Stop it. I know their reasons and their legitimate reasons, and they were legitimate reasons last year, but you as an organization 
plan for this. You got the leadership you wanted. You've improved your defense. You were you were fine with getting rid of Kendall Fuller. All right, you've you, offensive linemen. You made your choices in the offense uh, in the off season not to add a guard through free agency. You didn't add a guard at at the trade deadline. You didn't add any offensive linemen. Go win this game. You this team needs to win this game Sunday, Tommy, or I think the wheels could fall off. Well, here's the problem, and I know we'll get to the column I wrote uh, from Monday's paper following the game Sunday. Uh, I ended my column of a scenario where Jay Gruden is going to have to turn to Alex Smith at some point this season and say, Alex, I need you to go out there and win the game for us. And I came up with this reply that Alex might say, that would say, Coach, I think you have me mistaken with somebody else. He's not going to say that. <laughs> I know. He is capable but, but, of but, going out there Sunday with his legs and his mobility, with a banged-up offensive line, and making enough plays with a good defensive effort and a running game potentially to win a game that right now, Tommy, on paper, it looks like they can't win. Well, They're an ask, underdog. Let me ask you a question. Have you seen any evidence of the 2018 Alex Smith is capable of that? No, no evidence today. Okay. But I but I have more than just this year is evidence. I, I get that. But he's thirty four years old. Oh you mean he's not young? Oh, I thought they got a twenty five year old no, when they no, traded for No, he's thirty four years old. I mean, look, track record counts for, for a lot, but uh sometimes people slow down a little quicker than others. I mean, his famous legs that are supposed to be... I mean, actually, he he did have a great running play at one point in in the game on Sunday. Had a great... That was the best drive he's had all year long. Yes, it was. So he's off of a game in which he had his best drive, something to build on. I'm not being sarcastic here, and I'm not being condescending. Alex Smith is a better quarterback than he's shown this year. He is. He's apparently, according to the organization, a much better leader than the, the guy they had. This is a leadership spot. The organization picked this guy, Tommy, to get through some of these rough patches. Let me read a quote, which I like to do, from Jay Gruden uh, shortly after they got Alex Smith uh, to ESPN. Uh, he's very good at the intermediate ball. He's good with the quick game. He can run zone reads. Uh, very exciting. The ability to ad lib, make plays that aren't there, and keep plays alive. Coaching him for the first time will be exciting because I don't think there's a limit on what he can do. He has all the things you want a quarterback to be able to do. <laughs> okay. You know what though? Tommy? This is the this is this is the prove it game though. This is a big spot for I mean look, I we overdo things all the time. But we do. But but but, but, I, but, but we I'm do looking, that to I, make I'm, a point. I'm really yes, I guess that was what you told me about Sally's column. Yes. Where she ripped the entire university, not just Because some people the need program. to be pounded over the head. Okay, well, I'm I'm gonna pound you and anybody listening over the head with they're five and three. The season didn't end with the loss to Atlanta or the three players that went to injured reserve. They, last year, in a much worse spot at 3-4, and four, needing to win. Remember, last year was supposed to be you know, a, a playoff contending year 
for the team. And they got back to 4-4 four and four with a gutty win on the road in a place that's impossible to win. In fact, I think they were the first non-NFC West team to win there in like three years when they went in there with two-fifths of their offensive line, no Jordan Reed, no running game, and a bad defense. You know, Kirk played great that day at the end, obviously, but Zach Brown was phenomenal that day. Zach Brown made play after play after play on Russell Wilson. Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to put the ball up for grabs this week, and the Redskins are going to have to turn him over. They're going to have to win one of these games that gets them back on track because you know what, Tommy? If they go down and beat Tampa and they're 6-3 and three in one of those wins where no, you know, people aren't expecting it, you're going to come in on Monday and you're going to say, there's something different about this team. Something different. They may be able to overcome this stuff. They've got Houston back at home. All right, they, that's, a, that's a winnable game. As good as Houston is right now, on defense in particular, and their quarterback and their receivers, etc. Winnable game. This division is still there for them, but organizationally, they've made a lot of decisions here over the last 12 months. Well, last 24 to 36 months. And the, the, you can't, you have to plan for injuries in the NFL. And one of the, p- part of their plan was leadership. So let's see it on Sunday. I think you're writing a check they can't cash. I think, I think the way to win Sunday for them is what you mentioned is the defense, cre- you know, creating some uh, turnovers, Ryan Fitzpatrick turnovers that either lead, that either result in actual scores on the play or give the Redskins short field position to be able to score. If that, that happens, yeah, I, I know that, but then Kevin, chalk it up to good organizational Kevin, planning because they've got a defense that Kevin, can get them through a spot like this. They, uh, if they win, it's a valiant effort, but then they have seven more games after that. I understand that. You can't sustain what they need to do over the court. Again, it, it's like, it's like let's say Sugar Ray Leonard, Tommy Hearns. Sugar Ray Leonard comes out for that 14th round, all bruised and battered, and, and manages to basically win the fight there. If you ask Ray Leonard to fight Tommy Hearns a week later, he would have got killed. Okay? My point is, you might be able to win this game, but you moving forward with their offensive line problems and their and their skill they're, positions, they're going to eventually get Trent back. Yeah, I know. Three weeks from now, okay, they're going to eventually get Trent Williams back. Chris Thompson's going to eventually be back. Crowder may be back this week. They they have a big time leader at quarterback. We've been told they have a big time player at running back that they did not have a year ago, and they've got a much better defense. Are you telling me that at five and three they can't figure out a way to go win four or five more games? Not without not look at part of part of the game. What game? Part of the formula is the uh, the running game. That running game took a beating. With the mass exodus of injuries. Got to get the quarterback into the run game now. Much more. Okay. The quarterback's a playmaker. One of the reasons you brought him here is he can do things with his legs that you said the last guy couldn't do. This guy's going to get you out of trouble with his legs and his instinct, and I agree with that. It's one of the things that I loved about Alex Smith. He was which able, he sh- Which he's shown very little of this year. Uh, in, oh, yeah. Again, very little of okay, well, na- na- this year. And, and and I just don't think that they can sustain what you're asking them to do over the course of the next four weeks. I'd love to see them go into Tampa with John Allen and Matt Ioannidis and Deron Payne and Foster 
and Zach Brown and Swearinger and take this game over with their defense, that would be a sign to me that the organization has picked the right players on defense. We know they're talented. We know it's much more improved. All right. And on offense, Alex Smith shines in this moment. This is the moment you told us he could lead through adversity because the last guy was a terrible leader. And this guy, with three-fifths of his offensive line out this Sunday, same as Seattle. You know what? It could be four-fifths, depending on Morgan Moses' health, too. Yes. Um, but th- that's what th- that's a situation they were in last year for a couple of weeks too. The Dallas game at home, uh, you were coming off a terrible loss last year. You're coming off a terrible loss this year. But this year, you're five and three and in first place. You can't let a couple of injuries, all right, totally derail you. And my fear is if they go into Tampa and lose against another team that isn't very good defensively. That's that's a self-destructive team. That's a very self-destructive yes. team, even with Fitzpatrick. Yes. Yes. Um, that the wheels could start to come off in a big way. This this is a huge moment in this season for this I, again, team. I think I think I don't I think the wheels have maybe uh one trip in them. It's one loss with a few injuries. So so it's 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 over? Is that what you're telling me? I think that they've got one game in them. And then that you can't sustain what you're asking them to do. We'll find out. They can't run the ball. They can't run the ball with this offensive makeshift offensive line moving forward. And if they can't run the ball, they have no offensive uh, weapons whatsoever. By the way, I mean you know the organization. I know you know you're you're half mocking the organization. No, uh, no, no, no. Uh, let's see. They they went into this season, and they and they at this point with Sean Laval at guard, knowing full well that he misses half the games he plays with injuries and felt no comp- no need to have an adequate backup for him. That's right. They, I agree they with went that. In, they, they went into the trading deadline knowing full well, apparently, that Paul Richardson could be out for the year at some point and felt no need to get another wide receiver in case that happened. And it happens a week later, all a of, week after the trading deadline. All of that is what I'm saying. I'm 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 not just focusing on the you know the put in place leader that they didn't have last year. Everything you're describing, I'm pointing to too. I'm saying they didn't they they didn't build depth in the interior of the offensive line. They more with, with one guy and, in particular. Though, there's it, it wasn't hard to figure out. You needed to have a plan B at, 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 at you know for for Sean Laval. Yeah, I mean you know some of the. Yes, all of that's in play. And you know what else is in play on the flip side is we went out and added a lot of defensive talent here over the last couple of years to hopefully get us through some of these rough patches too. So we're going to find out. Sunday's big, Tommy. I just feel as a fan, the wheels come off if they lose in Tampa Sunday at 5-4, and four, even though they'll still, worst case, well, the, yeah, worst case, they'll be tied for first. With Philadelphia, if Philadelphia wins, if Philadelphia loses to the Cowboys, they're still in first place yes. with a loss. Um, but I just feel like you know what would be staring them in the face is Houston, Dallas on Thanksgiving, still two games with Philly. Trust me, Tennessee in, in December, Jacksonville in December. None of those games are going to be easy against really good defensive teams. Now, now the, the, this is the, a win that goes into that that category of piling up some wins. You sh- you got to be able to beat Tampa on the road. Yes, as an underdog. Yeah, it is over if they don't beat Tampa, but I think it's over even if they do. Uh, Another big problem, uh, you talk about, you know, they have a really good defense, and that defense got exposed 
a lot on on Sunday right. uh, against Atlanta. A really good offense, granted. Great offense. I know that, but but you may have a really good defense with a guy who doesn't who who's incapable of coaching a really good defense. And Greg Minuski got out coached on Sunday. He had, I mean. There, there was no answer. I mean, whether or not they were, they were picked, you know, they were doing offensive pass interference on pick plays. They kept doing it, and Minuski had no answer for it. Yeah, I don't want to hear about the officiating on Sunday. They got destroyed. Yes, on Sunday. My point is, they didn't adjust. I mean, I, they, I mean, the way, the way the Falcons ran the ball on on what's what was a top five run defense. Shows you that they that that the coaching was exposed on that side of the ball. Well, I pointed this out in my um uh, on my Monday on yesterday's podcast that I thought Steve Sarkeesian was outstanding, um in that game as a play caller. Uh, they just had the Redskins off balance, and their third down conversions were huge. The Redskins got them into what a were lot they, of like third nine down. out of nine at well, one point, uh, something like they that. They went eight for eight in, for, in the first half, and then yeah. finished ten for thirteen. Um, but, you know, the Redskins got them into third downs. You know, Atlanta's offense has been a really good first and second down offense over the years where they haven't necessarily faced lots and lots of third downs. Sometimes in their best games, they've just it's been a chunk yardage team. Um, but they faced all those third downs and they made all of those plays. And, you know, Sunday they're going to get a team in Tampa that's very capable offensively. I mean, don't don't look at their record, and you know they they they've struggled defensively. It's almost a it's not Atlanta's offense. It's not, but you know Deshaun Jackson and Mike Evans and OJ Howard and they they've got they've got weapons. They've got weapons on offense, and they've scored a lot of points this year. Yes, they have. On the other hand, I think if there's, uh, I just think that they're going to turn the ball over and give the Redskins offense opportunity to score in short fields which could result in a victory which is not going to happen when they face other opponents. They're not going to they're not going to have have offensive opportunities gift wrapped week after week uh once Tampa is out of the way. Tampa right now um in yards per game, I think it's not a great number to reference, but um in the conventional statistics, traditional statistics are the number two offense in the league right now in terms of yards per game. Uh, they're also the seventh highest scoring offense in the league this year at twenty eight point six points per game. This is the last really good offensive football team the Redskins are going to face unless Unless Philly Unless really Philly starts, starts to put to it break together, forward, yeah. And Houston, and by the way, and Houston is is so, very capable with some talent on offense. So Tampa's averaging twenty eight some points uh, a game. That's that's uh, when did the Redskins score twenty eight points in a game this season? I'm not, I'm not familiar with that. Have they? Uh, they haven't scored many points at all. They're one but of the lowest scoring teams in the league. Points in any game this season? Um, I don't think no. so. Yes, the Green Bay. They, they, oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Thirty-one. Yeah. yeah, thirty-one to seventeen. Yeah. Okay. The so they can do it. Look, they. If you really, the Arizona uh, first half, the Green Bay first half, and that's it. Offensively, in terms of being dynamic, yeah. and being you know sort of in rhythm, they were in rhythm against Arizona, a terrible team in the first half. And they were really in rhythm against Green Bay in that first half at home when they put up, you know, it was like 28. Didn't they score 28 in the first half yeah, it was, against the Packers? I forget exactly what the number was. 
But the game seemed over after after the first half. All right. Uh, do you hear that noise, Tommy? It's your furnace kicking on again and again and again, over and over. Why? Because your windows are old and drafty. So is Tom. He's old and drafty, too. <laughs> Letting cold air in and hot air out, keeping you up at night. Every time you hear, are you aware of what's happening when you hear all that noise? Higher energy bills, wasted money. I think it's time for you to pick up the phone and call Window Nation. I have. Harley and Aaron from Window Nation have provided windows for me and lots of listeners over the years. For a limited time right now, get two free windows for every two you buy. Buy four, get four free. Buy six, get six free. There is no limit. Plus, get 0% financing for five full years. Save that well-earned money to splurge on your family friends, and even yourself for the, for the holiday season. Act fast. There's still time to have your windows installed by the holidays because Window Nation works quickly. You'll stay toasty as Window Nation's expert installers work room by room to install your new windows. Window Nation has saved customers an estimated $40 million in energy over the years. Save today, save tomorrow, save forever. Call Window Nation today at 866-90-NATION and get two free windows for every two you buy. Buy four, get four free. They're is no limit plus zero percent interest for five years save thousands on your windows and your energy bills use for holiday shopping this season 86690 nation or visit windownation.com and tell them we told you to call all right let's bring in john keim who of course uh covers the team for espn and espn.com all right, so uh, I, I we know what the injuries are. We know who's on injured reserve now. We know Trent Williams is out for at least another three weeks. Um, I guess there's a possibility Crowder's back this week, but probably not Chris Thompson at this point. Let's start with the offense. What is the plan offensive line for Tampa? Who are going to be the five starters at this point? They signed a bunch of guys yesterday. How religious are you guys? <laughs> I, 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 um. They, right now, I was told it's a wait and see. See who comes in and see who looks like they can come in and help. They also have Casey Dunn, who has been here, but they want someone who has played in a game to start at the right side. So Tony Bergstrom right now looks like he'd be the left guard. Chase Ruye stay at center. So they have that whole right guard. That's what they're still trying to figure out, who it is, whether it's um, Luke Buengo or Jonathan Cooper. So... Um, I think they're just going to wait and see who looks good and what direction they go. I don't, I don't know that they completely know just yet. Uh, I thought it was interesting um, to watch Jay Gruden's answer and his body language to a certain degree when they talked about uh, Jaron Christian, the rookie, um, because he looked completely overwhelmed, I thought, uh, yeah. in his first opportunity. This is a third-round pick, and we know it takes time for some of these guys, especially some of these guys you're really drafting because you see a guy three years down the road, four years down the road that could be a starting left you tackle mean, or a like, starting right tackle. Like Josh Larivas? <laughs> like One of those guys? Yeah, not, not necessarily <laughs> Larivas. Is, is, he, is he still in the league or not? Yeah, he, he was down in New Orleans, I think. Really? Yeah, he was, I mean, he, played, he was in San Diego for a while. I wow. think. Yeah, um, he was in New Orleans last year and this year. I don't know if he got hurt or not this year, but I know he was still there earlier this but, year. But did I read it right that Christian is not an option at either tackle no, spot? No, and, and, and like what, what Jay Gruden said was, you know, he prefers to keep Ty and Secchi at left tackle. Well, yeah, I mean, after watching the other day, of course you do. <laughs> yeah. But that's also, that's always where they have liked Ty and Secchi. And the plan with Christian, right, a plan, but the hope for him was that coming in he would just serve as a fourth tackle this year 
and then segue into a swing tackle role with Enseki up after this year as an unrestricted free agent. Clearly, the hard part in the NFL is nothing ever goes that smoothly, you know, or that according to plan because injuries are always a factor. So now he is your swing tackle. But I do think that that is part of the equation that you're not going to move Enseki inside at this point because you need him at tackle because Kristen hasn't shown that he's ready to play it there. When Trent comes back, then you, if you want to, you can move Enseki inside if it's not going well. Is it fair to say, John, that they didn't plan well for a bunch of injuries across the offensive line? <laughs> well, I yeah, I think it is because they, listen, the interior was a, was an issue in the off season, right? Yep. And you know, part of what part of what happened the off season, Ari Quanjo, you know. When you see Ari Kwanja walking around the facility, he definitely reshaped his body. I mean, the guy looks like he's in really good shape. <clears throat> he just got hurt in the offseason, but that was still in the offseason. And I, I think there was a hope that some of the young guys, like a Catalina or a Kalis, would have developed a little more. That did not happen. So, but yeah, I mean, I think it is it is fair to say that. They, they haven't, that, that to me, going into the season, that was an area of weakness. The two areas that I worried about, for them as far as weakness or depth goes was interior line corner the corner depth because you had a few rookies behind and inexperienced behind the top three guys um and that's coming to hurt them i'm kind of uh confused about their decisions at the trading deadline when it came to wide receiver i sort of understood the notion and i've seen teams do this in all sports of that, well, when we get certain guys healthy, it will be almost like adding at the trading deadline. Uh, so we we want to take that route, and that seems to be the route they took. But my impression is they didn't think Paul Richardson was going to be healthy all year, and and as a result, a week after the trading deadline, now he's out for the season. That seems like a giant miscalculation on their part. I mean, you can say that. Yeah, I mean, by by the way, it's great to hear you guys together again. I just got to say that. Well, thank um, you. Thank you, John. But, um, you, you know, I mean, I think the hard part with the passing game is it really wasn't working anyway. And so I don't, you know, I don't know. Like, my fear was for them is if you go out and make a deal with that, what's that going to do for them? And giving up a draft pick at a spot, um, where, you know, Tom, I don't have a good answer. Okay. Well, yeah, no, a, no, you, a, you, 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 no, you're you, right. No, he's, I, well, there, I, there I are two things. There are two things. I do think, yeah. So, number one, that's part of the answer because yeah. you know and I know and a lot yeah. of people know that there is frustration with the quarterback play yeah, right now. Yeah, and I think that, so, that that is a definite issue, I, definite. But here's the other part, too. You know, Jay Gruden's always just thought that – doesn't matter who I have is uh, have. A, doesn't matter who I have at receiver. I'll scheme them open. He's always felt that way. He wasn't that heartbroken when they lost Jackson and Garcon. He has definitely had confidence in what he can do, and I have always felt in the NFL once you start feeling like your scheme overrides talent, then you're going to get into some trouble. I felt like you know when Chip Kelly started getting rid of some of their playmakers, you know that was clearly a sign that they were going to start going downhill because. It's the scheme helps, but when you have talent running that scheme, it helps even more. 
And I will say, like, there's still there's still definitely times you turn it on and you're watching guys, you see guys get open. I think the hard part is you don't see guys getting open really fast all the time. So you're not seeing, you know, these, you know, quick, like, for example, you watch, I'm not comparing anybody here to Julio Jones, but the Falcons can play at a certain pace with their passing game because he's going, you can trust that he's going to win early. Some of those guys are going to win early. And so Matt Ryan doesn't have to hold the ball for a long time waiting for routes to open up downfield. And Isn't Jordan Reed winning early? Not not early enough, apparently. Um, but I'm talking about more so at the receiver. Yeah, I know. I think I think and I think like with Jordan too, sometimes when you're you are you are watching it depends on who they have on him too. And if it's a linebacker or defensive back, because sometimes when you're watching some of the safeties on him, you know, he can he can use his size against them, but his 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 quickness is a little bit negated there. Um, with the linebackers, he's still able to create that separation. I think getting a guy back like a Chris Thompson and even Crowder, they're a little bit quicker off the line than than some of the guys they have right now. So, um, so I think that that does not help. Um, but um, I do think, like with, with with the receiver, I do think that that kind of goes back to that the way they're built. Um, the, the question is, what is the value you're getting versus what you're giving up? Like Golden Tate, I'm a big fan of his. And, you know, he's, a, he's better in the slot. So you do have an answer there coming back, a yes. guy that they have always liked. So while Golden Tate, I mean, I like him better, but do you then, does that automatically mean you go get him because he's better than Jamison Crowder, a guy who will, should come back? And so I think it makes it all harder. But, yeah, I mean, going back to Tom's point, Richardson has been dealing with this since training camp. It has been, I would say, for weeks now, it's been like, this could be the week. This could be the week. This could be the week where he shuts it down. So, you know, you, they knew that this was the case. Um, you know, and then I think, again, it depends on what's the value you're, the, of, of what you're getting. And, like, Amari Cooper was not going to be an option for them. Um, you know, Thomas, you know, may, maybe he could have been, but it didn't sound like it. But, um, you know, it did sound like they made a – there's conflicting reports about whether or not they made a play for, like, a guy like Josh Gordon – um, so, you know, um, I think they recognize that they need some more help there, but, well, they, um, they, they signed a guy with injury history. They, they brought back guys with injury history. So yes, they, do. they, you know, they, the, they hopefully will find out this weekend if they had a plan for all of these yeah, guys I, with injury history along yeah, the offensive yeah. line at wide receiver. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I, I think it's going to be interesting because the hard part, the hard part too, with the pass game that I've had is that the, you don't see the trust overall. And that can be, you know, because you have receivers who aren't as familiar with the system or the quarterback's not as familiar with them. Um, you, you, you know, there have been games where like, you see guys running some crossers, some shallow crossers, they're almost bumping into each other. I saw that three games in a row. Um, that is about timing, depth, you know, rhythm. You know, do you have to be a little bit more patient running this route, let this guy clear, et cetera. Learning all that, you'd see guys that were, with the routes where, the, the distance between the guys. I mean, t- you know, Kevin, you know, with basketball, like if you're if you're in a zone and you have two guys next to each other, you have one guy covering two, and yep. you've seen that sometimes. So I think it all adds up where it's not as simple as we'll just get another receiver in here and everything's going to go swimmingly. I don't know that it's that that way. I, I you know I think if they have been able to get like trade for a, another an interior offensive lineman. Maybe that would have been a way to go, but it's you know it's hard too in this game. It's like, and I've heard people talk about this before about how it has become harder. I'm switching gears here, but harder to find interior linemen. And I think I wonder if that's not how the game is going with 
the interior defensive line that it's getting harder to find quality help inside. I don't know. Okay. The formula for getting to five and two was a very good defense uh, and a good running game and creating right. turnovers and, and good special teams too. I don't want and to stress way. way a big part of it because they've won the field position battle in a lot of he, these he was spectacular on Sunday. Yeah. So yeah, he's been, it's been like that all year. Yeah. yeah so he's been a big part of it, but that, that those have been the components for, uh, for victory. Has that formula changed at all now moving forward with the offensive line injuries? That's a good question. And I, you know, because here's the hard part. I think it's harder. I think it's hard to build some sort of cohesion in the run game. Um, you know, because you do have to. You have to learn how to work double teams with the guy next to you, and to know when does this guy have this double team? When do I have to let go and get to the second level and get that timing down? They have done that pretty well, and I thought Adrian Peterson has started to run very well behind this group. I mean, he had learned how they were doing things, where he, you know, he, the landmarks aren't going to change. Some of that stuff isn't going to change, but how you, you know, knowing who you have to play off of or knowing what's going, anticipating what may happen with that block, I think is a big deal. Um, and knowing how deep you can press things because you can trust what is going to happen with the guy in front of you. So I don't, I don't think it's going to change. It can't change too much because I still think that, you know, that's a guy where you can, create a strength with Peterson and he has run well and I also think you can create some situations with your formation and I think they've done a pretty good job of that at times you know running him out of the gun um, using you know certain actions to you know in creating a more favorable box at times um, but I also wonder and you watch like what Atlanta and they're not Atlanta and they're not going to be they don't have Matt Ryan they don't have Julio Jones or Calvin Ridley but watching the Falcons, the way they handled the Redskins with the defensive front, a lot of play action, and they really got those defensive linemen moving and created, you know, and I think they, you know, they used a lot of play action, so you could see a lot of hesitation on the pass rush initially, but then also on some second and tens where they were waiting for play action that didn't come and they'd hit them with the run. So I think they I think got, the, I think the you know, first 11 first and tens were play action throws. In the game, yeah, I mean, the first and eleven, I, and I think, they didn't run the ball think, once on first and ten. The first eleven, right, first I and think, tens. I think that's one thing that, like, the Redskins do not have not run a ton of play action with Alex Smith, and when they have run it, it hasn't been as they haven't had it as a success they've had in the past. You know, you wonder, do you have to use a little bit more of that now? I, you know, you would think um, just to create some more favorable situations, but. You know, um, so I, I, don't, I don't know that they're going to change their strategy too much um, because I still think there's some strength there with, again, but see, then I, I say that, and it's like, then, you know, you need, like, I'm watching Logan Paulson block the other day for Atlanta. He was really good. They don't have a tight end who blocks that consistently, I don't think. And, you know, you, you're going to need that when you lose guys like Sheriff. And, um, you know, I just, I don't, you know, but I still think that that's where, I don't. I don't think they can now become a pass happy team, but I do think you're gonna. They definitely have to get more from their passing game, and maybe be a, be a little bit more um, either creative or aggressive on some first down stuff. Well, that that leads to my next my next question, and and the one thing they got uh, in favor of facing Tampa is that they have an offense that will give the defense the ball probably a couple of times too uh, with Tampa. So I think that's going to help them I- against the Bucks, but. Uh, the other part of my question, and you you just uh, pretty much answered it at the end, is they don't have any other option for winning. 
There is no other no. formula. No, I think that's the hard part. And, you know, you're going to have to, you know, I mean, the strength right now, this offense has been Peterson. And again, I think it's Peterson plus what they were doing up front because they did do a good job for him. And I thought like the um, Giants game, there were some times where I thought, okay, the line is really, they're reestablishing the line of scrimmage. They're doing a good job, allowing him to be patient, et cetera, et cetera. And it was working well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know that you're going to switch to a, I think where they can help themselves in the pass game is when they get a Chris Thompson back and not that Capri business is bad. He has it, but Thompson, you lose a guy who can be explosive for you when they had those, when he was healthy last year, those first seven or eight games, he was really good. And yes, he, he was a big time playmaker. They don't, they haven't had that this year. You know, you're going to need more from Jordan Reed, I think as well. And so, you know, you could get to a situation where the other option they have is they're really good out of those two tight end sets. And maybe you just have to use more of that because that with, you know, getting Vernon Davis matched up more in one-on-ones and, and, and creating situations for those two guys and kind of adjust your pass game a little bit. But I do think you need guys like Crowder and especially Thompson to get back. And I might want to point out that the quarterback from last year was throwing the Chris Thompson since their scout team days. So they Correct. had they had a great relationship, right? And I think I think that's a good point too overall because like when you my one of my fears going into the season was that you know this offense is going to take some time to get together, forgetting whoever's out there because of the in and out, in and out, in and out of the receivers. And it's been like that since camp opened. Whether it was you know Chris Thompson couldn't practice all the time because he's coming back from injury. Same with Jordan Reed didn't even start running until July, and then you know wasn't able to go full and throughout most of training camp and Crowder missed a few weeks and Doxon missed a little bit of time and um, Maurice Harris missed time and Michael Floyd comes in during the season. So there's, it adds up to, you know, to these aren't, we're not talking about great, great players too, where you can just overcome it with talent. I think that rhythm and that trust has to be there. And I will say like the other day, I felt like Alex Smith at times threw with a little bit more of that. Now there's some man coverage you know, backs to the backs to the quarterback. You're going to hit your receivers. And I thought he did a good job on some of those throws, um, but um, I just think overall the rhythm and the timing and some of that stuff has been off from the start. And I just I, I wonder how much it goes back to all of that and kind of what you just said, like you know Chris you know, Chris Thompson and Kirk Cousins. They're going to have that. They're going to he's going to know what Chris Thompson is going to do because he's worked with him a ton. Look, I think Chris Thompson will help a lot too. I also think they can use Adrian Peterson a little bit more in the same way, and that is using yeah. some of these checkdowns or some of these quick you know, sort of swing passes as extensions of their well, first down run game. You know, because and, and I, let me, Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, just, just to play off that too, because I've seen this in a couple games. Teams know they want to check down to Adrian Peterson now. And there was a play the other day where they played off of that. And I think they need to, you know, they can use that as a weapon. Like there was in the Saints game, there was, a, you know, they check him down. Well, the receiver, Maurice Harris, is open behind the check down, but he didn't hit him. Sunday, he, you got Alex Smith, he, um, he hits Docks on an in route. And I think it actually, you know what, it may have been the one he dropped. I can't remember, but it was, it was a good throw, right. good play, should have been caught, whatever. But he plays off of the possible check down because the corner comes up because he sees Peterson coming out to the flat and he draws him up and he hits him inside. So you can, you know, teams know that that's what he's going to do. And what I talked to a defensive coach earlier this year, he said their book on him was the more you keep him in the pocket, the more he's going to go to the check down. So you can use that against teams as well. And I thought they did the other day. So that can help them at least to get a couple of big plays because that should have been 
you know, a big play for them is just a drop. I mean, Doxon made some other good catches. He dropped that one. You move on, but that was it was more so what you're seeing off of that action that can help them down the road. Look, Sunday got away from them early because they, you know, uh, unlike the three previous games, they beat themselves early with drops. You mean they fell behind penalties and and they fell behind early. They didn't have the lead. Yes, they fell behind. (laughs) Um, But the uh, but they weren't going to win that game anyway. Atlanta's better. Uh, But I wanted to go back to something that you were talking about, and you said Logan Paulson was a good blocker. On Sunday, and I've been thinking about this recently, and have not said this yet. But I don't think, outside of a couple of guys, I think Tom Sula is a hell of a coach. Um, you know, look, Randy Jordan's a good coach. Uh, Ko's a good coach. Um, th- I've not been. I think Torian Gray's a good coach. I think there are areas on their coaching staff where they could improve. I mean, you just said that Logan Paulson was a good blocker on Sunday. The Redskins have not had a tight end that's blocked well here in a while now. In a while now. They have not had great wide receiver play in a while now. So I am sort of, you know, looking at those areas. And, you know, Jay is very much a delegator, as you know, John. He's very much a delegator, and he's very much a go-along to get along. And, you know, I don't, I don't know that they've got, you know, what I would call a high-quality staff. I don't think it's a terrible staff. I don't. But, I, you know, it, it could be better in spots. Well, I think any staff could be. I think, you know, I think that's been true for many years here. Um, so, you know, when, when Gibbs was here, you felt that. When Shannon was here, you felt that. So I think it stands to reason that you can always help yourself in that area. Um, I also think with the tight ends, like, um, you have Jordan Reed and Vernon Davis, whose primary job is going to be catching the ball. And, you know, and Jeremy Sprinkle has not, I, I think he's better than he was last year. I think he's still developing as a blocker and that's what he's supposed to be doing well. That's why he's here. Um, you know, but, um, so, I mean, I think you can always improve your staff and I think, listen, if, if, if things don't go well this year, I think you have to look to do something and what, and not, I'm not putting Wes Phillips or I kill your throwing them under the bus. I, you know, that'll be for them to decide, but if you're not, if you don't do well and you're coming back, um, I think you can always look to improve. I think you kind of have to. It's true with your roster. It should be true everywhere. Right? I, I, I'm Killiard. Is this, uh, is Ike now? This is the third staff, right? Third staff or second? No, Shanahan. No, Shanahan brought him in. Yeah, right, Mike second. brought him in. Yeah. Okay, so second yeah. staff. Yeah. Here's what I don't understand about that, and it, you know, it's my argument with the Nationals as well. Is uh, the one place you don't have a luxury tax, the one place you don't have a salary cap, is your coaching staff. You can spend as much as you want if if you're the team. There's no limits on that. Well, they've got former head coaches on the staff. I mean, it's yeah. not. You know. I mean, and you know, I know. It, it, there are there are yeah. And it's I think the hard part. Um, the coaching is such a who do you know situation. It and really I don't know is. that it's always. I don't think yeah. it's always like saying, "Hey, we've got the absolute best staff here, and I'm going to get this guy no matter what." There have been guys where I think. Um, you know, maybe guys have been passed on because they think, well, I'm not sure how we'll get along. And, um, you know, I mean, there have been some staffs like, you know, not just this one, but in any staff, like, how is this guy here? How did you feel like he was the best for this role? I mean, I've seen that most, you know what I mean? Yeah. There have been a lot of times that's been the case, and it hasn't just been with this one. 
John, thanks as always. Really appreciate it. Good to catch up. We'll talk soon. Thanks, John. It's great thanks. having you on. Thanks, guys. It's great talking to you guys. Thanks. Quick moment to tell you about Farish Chrysler Dodge Jeep in Fairfax. Tommy and I have known Ralph Perkins forever. Kevin Farish uh, owns it. These guys are smart. They know what their customers want, and they make it easy for you. And I promise you that if you give them a chance, they won't disappoint. Right now, go to FarishCars.com. I mean, when you finish listening to the podcast or just put the podcast on hold for a moment and go to FarishCars.com and you'll see everything they've got right now. Their best deals, how much inventory. Right when you go to their website, it'll tell you how many uh, used cars they have, how many new inventory vehicles they have, uh, and it's very easy to navigate that site at FarishCars.com. I urge you to go there to see what they have if you're thinking about something new. Now, if you decide to go out to Farish, they're right there in Fairfax Circle. Ask for Ralph Perkins when you get there. He's in the store every day. Tell him that I tell him that I sent you. Um, right now, if you're thinking about you know anything Jeep-related, Cherokees, Grand Cherokees, Wranglers, they've got them all in stock. You'll probably find the make, model, and color you're looking for and be able to drive it off the lot today. If you're thinking about a minivan, Chrysler Pacifica's right now on Farish's lot. Plenty of them, and the deals are as good as you will get all year long. If you like this show and you're thinking about buying something new, I give you my word that you'll be taken care of if you head out to Farish and Fairfax and ask for Ralph Perkins. Again, right there in the heart of Fairfax, in Fairfax Circle. You can also find out everything they have in stock right now, live inventory, live pricing at FarishCars.com. All right. Uh... I wanted to do a couple of things. Did you? Wanna, I know that, but but I wanted your, to, your column. I wanted to break in with breaking news, Kevin, because I know that this is will be important to you. Troy Aikman. No, 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 not no. Uh, according to C, CNBC, Under Armour employees can no longer put strip club uh, visits on expense accounts. <laughs> you can't. No. Now I know you know that that since you are I mean, an, it's an, an entertainment. You're an Under Armour employee, right? So uh, I think I'm that's going to affect. I'm, I'm not an Under Armour well, employee, but I, I, I'll you tell wear you a what, lot of if clothes. I, if, if I were, this would cause me to leave the company. <laughs> okay. This is the breaking news for Under Armour, apparently. Uh, there's actually more news. Troy Aikman calling for major changes in the Cowboys organization. He says, go through the list in this team over a long period of time. It's been what it's been. It hasn't always mattered who the head coach has been. So to me, if you're asking me, I'd say there has to be a complete overhaul of the entire organization. And you know that's not going to happen. You know, mm. yeah, yeah. Again, I think wait, actually, I think this year, I think at the end of this year, it might be it, it for might, Jason Garrett. But, but it will, I know that. But, but any change will last maybe a year or two, maybe three tops. I mean, unless Jerry Jones manages to move on to greener pastures, okay? At so, I mean, basically the Cowboys have the same thing the Redskins have, the aura of self-destruction. They will find a way to screw things up, and it starts in the owner's office in the same way. So they may make a change, but it will be temporary because Jerry won't be able to, to – Jerry won't be able to sit on his hands. Uh no, he won't. Uh, it's it's a tough job to take, too. Although it's a great job to have. Oh well, yeah. But you've got to go in there. The Dallas Cowboys. You know, when you look at these organizations, like the Redskins and the Cowboys, and you have stature as a former head coach, you've got to go in there and get what you need to get, which is control. 
You know, it's, it's and you've got to use that control and and threaten to walk away right. the minute it's threatened, which Mike didn't do when yes. he was here. Yes, right from the start. Yes, uh, and Marty did. Yeah. Marty said, really? and Marty lasted one year. And Marty said, "Really, you're not going to give me the control that you promised me? Well, then I'm out." Yeah. Um, a couple of things NFL related. First of all, um, you know how everybody this time of week, this time of of the week, does what they call like an NFL power ranking or a power poll. It's something everybody does. Fortunately, we don't do it on this show. That's good. Actually, we do on Thursday. I'm hoping. But, I'm uh, hoping we don't start doing it. But I was reading through uh, ESPN's power rankings that come out on Tuesday morning, very early. Explain to me how the Redskins are ranked ahead of the Falcons. This is like when you know you get you get these power rankings, and the Redskins are holding there at the number fourteen team in the league. All right, at five and three, and two spots lower are, is the team that just beat them by twenty-four points on sort of their home field because it wasn't exactly their home field advantage. Uh, well, this on is Sunday. why I don't like to do uh, these I, things. I, well, but we can do them better. Would you have this week in your power poll? Do you think if we extended it to thirty-two teams, you would have the Redskins ranked ahead of the Falcons? Not unless I was getting paid. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Um, so that was one thing that I wanted to talk about. The other thing, and I was looking through this last night, do you know how many good games there are the rest of the NFL schedule in prime time, like scheduled in prime time? I was looking through this, like this week, all right, this week on Thursday night, you get Carolina at Pittsburgh. Pretty good Pretty Thursday good game. night game. Could be, oh, well, I don't know if he'll play, but everyone expects uh, Le'Veon Bell to be back. Well, he just tweeted that he was leaving the state okay. of Florida. I don't know. If, okay, but if that means, he probably uh, yeah. won't play. But but yeah, look, Pitts, Pittsburgh is it, Pittsburgh. I think is one of the threats to the 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 two AFC teams you mentioned in terms. All right, of, we'll, we'll, we'll get yeah. to we'll get to that in a moment. Um, next Thursday night, Green Bay at Seattle. Not wow. too bad. Not bad. At next all. Sunday night, well, Dallas Philly this Sunday night. Not looking as great, but it's an NFC East matchup at Philly. Next Sunday night, first place showdown between Minnesota and Chicago at Soldier Field. Then the Monday night game, November nineteenth. Have you guys seen this? Kansas City at the Rams on a Monday, oh my on a Monday night game. Is that a that's in uh, Mexico City too, that's right? That's in Mexico oh City. My that's right. That, yes, you're right, Aaron. It's not in Los Angeles, it's in Mexico City. Then the following week, which is week 12, um first of all, on Thanksgiving night, it's Atlanta at New Orleans. That could be a really big yes, game. It could. Then Sunday, well, first of all, no, the other, well, you got Redskins, Cowboys. Redskins, Cowboys, that you day do. Too. It's just that right now, the Cowboys are trending towards this not being a massive sort of right. record standings game. Sunday night, Thanksgiving weekend, Green Bay at Minnesota. Uh, then Monday night, and I guarantee you they looked at this a few weeks ago and said, oh, God, we got a dog on Monday night, November 26th. But this could be a first-place showdown in the AFC South, Tennessee at Houston. I know nobody's going to get super excited about that, but it could be a first-place game in primetime. Then Thursday, November 29th, the Saints at the Cowboys. Not terrible. And then you get into the flex games opportunity, uh, the, the flex opportunities, right? Sunday, December 2nd. Uh, the Minnesota-Chicago game was flexed uh, just yesterday. That was going to be, and I mentioned this yesterday, it was going to be Houston at Redskins. It was going to be flexed uh -huh. if the Redskins had beaten the Falcons. 
Um, but Sunday, you have the possibility of uh, of Chargers Steelers being flexed into uh, into prime time. You've got Minnesota at New England is the late afternoon game that won't get f- uh, flexed on Fox because Fox is not going to give that game up. Um, and uh, then you got Redskins Eagles on Monday night. Monday night, yeah. all right. You got a Redskins Eagles game on Monday night. You know, I mean, basically. Fox made a couple of smart decisions this year uh, with their primetime programming. They overpaid to get the Thursday night package on Fox. And what they also did on Tuesday nights, they bought the WWE SmackDown show. So Tuesday Friday night, nights, pri- they're uh, moving it to Friday. They're moving it to Friday? Yes. Why? Is it not doing well Tuesday? Uh, Tuesday's one of their big nights. Okay. So they're moving it to Friday. Yes. Uh, really? Yes. I don't get that. Why Friday night? Uh, nobody watches TV on Friday I know, night. I, I know. Why? They, well, Friday night's my, a terrible TV well, night. And I think that's why. WWE has a built-in base. It doesn't have a huge base by any stretch, but they kind of view it as the live, kind of the live sports thing. They can charge advertising, and they feel they can do that on Friday nights. Well, if you put it on Tuesday nights, you're dropping in the ratings considerably. Okay. 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 I no. mean, I thought it was a great investment. I'm not so sure about Friday night, but they do have a built-in audience, as does Thursday night football, which I'm sure is doing great these days. Well, in terms I mean, of ratings. Uh, so Thursday night, December thirteenth, Chargers at Chiefs. Monday, December seventeenth, Saints at Panthers, and the night before that, and Sunday night, Eagles at Rams. I mean, your national TV games the rest of the way are almost to a game compelling. Plus, so, you'll still have the the flex opportunity. So this means Redskins fans will have something to do for the next two months of the season. <laughs> Well, they could be involved in some of those games. Some of those Eagles. I didn't, that, I didn't look, hear you mention any of them. I, the Redskins oh, and Eagles. Eagles. Yeah, I know. On, on a Monday night. It could be you know, it's first still, place. It's still possible that the Redskins-Eagles coming uh, in the final weekend of the season yes, at FedEx Field could be the Sunday night season closer for the NFC East title. Yes, it could. All right, here's the Carson question. Carson Wentz versus Alex Smith. <laughs> Stop it! He's gonna. I think he's gonna play better. I think we're we're gonna see the Alex Smith performance of oh, the year you are Sunday. So disingenuous. No, I'm serious. I think because on Sunday he's gonna have to. He's make gonna plays. have to make. He's plays. gonna have to make plays. But and it you, also raises he, the possibility of giving the ball to the other team. You know what? I don't care. I want him to make plays too. Because if you're if you're going three and out and punting it. Against a good offensive team in Tampa, it could get ugly. Well, supposedly this is what Jay Gruden loves. I mean, we heard from Jay Gruden <laughs> last year that 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 you know that Kirk Cousins doesn't make take enough chances. Doesn't take well, right? But he uh, but apparently somebody fooled him into believing that the guy they traded for <laughs> takes a lot of chances <laughs> when they've got a checkdown stat named after him. All right, um, this is what I want to I wanted to get to right now. Your favorites are pretty clear cut. It's New England or Kansas City in the AFC, and what we saw Sunday afternoon, the Rams and the Saints yeah. in the NFC. Let's start with the NFC. Who, other than those two teams, would you give a legitimate chance of advancing to the Super Bowl? Or do you think those four right now are those four and it's not going to change? In terms of the Super Bowl matchup is going to come out of that that group of four teams. I'll give... I'll give uh, two teams an outside shot. I'll give Green Bay an outside shot, and I'll give Minnesota an outside shot. That's it in the NFC. I Boy, I'll tell you what. Right now in the NFC, and the Saints are vulnerable a little bit defensively at times, 
But God, what we've seen from the Rams and the Saints offensively is just almost impossible to overcome, especially unless if you've got you to do an, it in the Superdome. Unless you have an offense that can compete in a shootout, the Vikings and the Packers do. Uh, yeah, I think the Packers do. I think the Vikings do. The Vikings are getting healthier on defense, which is really going to help them because they started off very slowly on defense after having you know the top-rated defense in the league last year. They lost the Buffalo. They lost and they they lost Everson Griffin. They lost, they had other players not playing well and out. And now they're starting to get healthier a little bit. Um, that's going to help them a lot. But I still don't see them in the class of the Saints and the Rams. I, I, I'll tell you the team that I'm not sure about. And, I think and, they and can it, score with them. The team that I'm not sure about, and I want to see Thursday night, we'll get to see him in Pittsburgh, is Carolina. And the Redskins beat Carolina. But remember, they were hanging on by a thread there at the end. I know. Um, I want to see Carolina. They have a lot of interesting pieces i don't get that i don't know why you would be mesmerized by them i'm not mesmerized but remember it's just two years ago or three years ago they were in the super bowl three years ago now right because it was falcons patriots and then last year patriots eagles all right so christian mccaffrey has become a star what they haven't had is explosive offensive players in carolina the last few years and now you've got guys well first of all olsen's back which is the quarterback's best friend right. and 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 close and the, the, truly his security blanket mccaffrey is has become a star funches is really good look out now for dj moore who is working his the rookie from maryland is working his way much more into the lineup as not only a receiver but they're running reverses to him i think he had a 30 yard reverse 32 yard reverse on sunday in the win over tampa and defensively, Tommy, they've got players. You know, they've got Keekley, they've got Davis. With Davis now being back, they still have Peppers on that team. They have Don Terry Poe. Uh, a lot of people think this James Bradbury is turning into one of those true great corners. He's in his third year. He's really coming into his own. He's big. He's long. And I like Ron Rivera. I may be in the minority on this, but I have felt that Carolina has been a well-coached football team under Ron Rivera. I'm just saying that I they think— They didn't look that way against the Redskins. A lot of mistakes, a lot of self-inflicted wounds there. Yes, there were. Um, but I, I, I want to I see what Carolina does Thursday night in Pittsburgh on the short week after nearly blowing a big lead. Well, they, they didn't blow it completely, but they were 35-7 against Tampa, and Fitzpatrick led them to three touchdown drives. I think you'll be disappointed. I'll, I'll tell you who's not in anywhere near the category of the Rams or Saints, okay? The Redskins aren't. Uh, the Bears are not. Um, I don't Seattle think the, isn't. I'm talking about teams what? that could potentially work their way into the postseason. I don't think the Eagles are. I don't think the Eagles I don't think are they have, either. They don't have explosive enough offense. I, I, I think I agree with you. Now, I'll tell you who could match them offensively is Atlanta, if Atlanta were to get into yeah, the postseason. Uh, but... I don't know. I think it's more. I think there are more teams actually in the AFC that could turn things around and derail Kansas City or New England. I don't. Although New England, who one of them is not your favorite AFC team? By not the way. not at this point at not four and at five. This point not not the Baltimore other, Ravens. But, but it could be my other favorite it, it AFC could team. Be. It could be the Chargers. It could be the Chargers. Yes. I think last week was impressive to go into yeah. Seattle and win. It could be, and it could be the Steelers too. I think it could be the Steelers. You know, I wouldn't. I, I I'm not counting out. 
Baltimore quite yet. Oh, come on. I just, because I... They're debating Baltimore is whether or not they should start Lamar Jackson. Well, they're not going to do that. You heard what basically... Apparently, he's nowhere near ready. Um, By the way, do you think they'll go the whole season without Robert Griffin dressing one game? Yeah. Unless they're they're completely out of it. That's pretty... if they're completely out of it, they'll go to Jackson, and maybe they'll go to I know RG3 that, but, as the backup. But, but my point is, if that happens, what do you think would be worse for RG3? Not playing at all, at sitting at home, or being in an NFL locker room and never putting on a uniform It on depends Sunday. on how he's handling himself. If he comes out of Baltimore with glowing reviews from a first-rate organization that says to other organizations, this guy has turned it around in terms of his personality, in terms of his sort of locker room and good teammate thing, because anybody that knows anything about the NFL over the last few years, that was the problem with Griffin. He was massively self-absorbed, and nobody wanted him in their locker room. But if a good organization like Baltimore says, we gave him a chance, and he's matured, and he should be given another chance on a team that, that needs a quarterback, okay. maybe. Maybe. But, maybe but, you're hold, right. but I think there's a more interesting question. If the Ravens' season goes the way it's going here the last three weeks, I think they'll. I still think there's a chance they could turn it around. And John Harbaugh becomes available. I'm telling you right now, if I've got an opening, he is at the top of my list. Top of my list. You know, personally, I'm not a big fan of his because I think he's, like, insane. Not like his brother. Oh, I think he's got a whole... Oh, no, no, no. I think he's got a whole different kind of insanity that I don't want to get into on the podcast. Okay? (laughs) Wait, I want to get into it. I don't know what you're talking about. He is the only one who repeatedly gets dinged for all those practice violations over and over and over again. I just think he's enthusiastic about certain things that I think could be dangerous at times. Why? Is I'm he, not going into is, it. I'm not. Is he, I am is he not right opening wing, is, up. Is he a right wing nut? I'm not opening up this on election Pandora's day. Is box. he a right wing nut? I don't. Um, I don't know that he I'm is. I'm just saying uh, that wouldn't stop me from hiring him. Okay. Here's what I love about him. <laughs> he's tough. His teams are tough. I think he's a really good head coach. And I'm just saying that if this season here doesn't go well and it doesn't go well 35 miles to our north and he's available he would be number one on my list now to me he's a guy that wouldn't come here he after being in the organization he's been in he's gonna have better opportunities is my guess yeah and remember he came from philadelphia i know which was another good organization with another good owner yes so, uh, anyway, I think that's much more of an interesting topic than whether or not RG3. Kevin John, wants to hire John Harbaugh to coach well, the Redskins next I would. year. I, well, again, we're, we're, there, <laughs> Headline. There, there are eight games left. I'm just saying if it continues to go the way it's going in Baltimore the last three weeks and somehow this season here gets away from Jay Gruden and company, he would be number one on my list. But you'd have to convince him that organizationally you've changed a lot because as you just pointed out, it's not just Baltimore. He's His experience is with real competence yes. in, in the front office. And I don't think he wants to go so Somewhere where he senses that that doesn't exist. Um, all right, what about the AFC? Well, okay. Can- Kansas City, New England. You want me to give you my list? The uh, Chargers. Yeah. Uh, the Steelers. The Steelers. I guess we did do this. Yeah, we did I, this. I, I would just, I would just tell you this. 
I, I don't this, say it. Well, I, I, I've already said that. I've already I said that. I know that, but no one took you seriously. But Trust me. Jacksonville's defensive talent is still, still so ready to win in January on the road in a place like Arrowhead or a place like, well, I mean, they almost did win last yes, year did. in Foxborough. Yes, they did. So, I, I mean, the way I... The, uh, Look, the Kansas City, what we don't know is whether or not they have somebody that can win in the postseason because what they haven't had, uh, sorry, but Alex Smith got you to the postseason with a lot of weapons around him and then you know, had a second half like last year against Tennessee. Wasn't totally his fault. Travis Kelsey went out, and that really derailed their effort in the second half against Tennessee, but they lost to the Titans at home in the playoffs. Uh, anyway, uh, I guess... I would say this, your money wouldn't be crazy to go on just these four teams, no matter what kind of you know ugly money line you were looking yeah, at. Yeah. Because right now, offensively, nobody in the NFC is at the level of the Saints or Rams. Nobody. No. Uh, Minnesota's not at that level. Green Bay's not at that level. Man, the more and more you watch Green Bay like the other day, good God, they need an offensive coordinator. They, they need somebody to make it just a little bit easier. On on Aaron Rodgers, he's got to do everything. I know. Like there's it, like there's rarely something that you look at and say, "Well, that's a good scheme there that they're you know that they've got going." No, it's just Aaron. Go out and do what you do. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, what did we want to get to next? I, I I'll tell you what I wanted to get to next. Did you see this? Um, my smell test, Tommy, was good on Saturday. Five and three on Saturday. It's I'm winning for the year. I'm up. I think three units for the year, something uh-huh. like that. So actually, you know, if you're paying minus one ten on the vig, you're you're not winning. You're you're basically breaking even or down a little bit. Um, I knew that Sunday was a bloodbath for the house um, because it was a bloodbath for me. Yeah, uh, I went zero and five. It's the worst day ever for the smell test on an NFL Sunday. I've I think I've been 0 and 3 before. I've been 1 and 4 before, 1 and you know 2 and 6 before maybe. Never 0 and 5. Never. And so yesterday somebody sent this to me on Twitter that it was the biggest loss for the sports books that they can ever remember. Um, this is the uh, story from ESPN. Before the late afternoon NFL games even kicked off, the writing was on the wall. Bookmakers from Nevada to New Jersey were taking a bath on Sunday that will go down as one of the betting public's betting public's best days ever. Nevada industry sources estimated the state sports books lost in the range of seven to ten million overall just on Sunday. In the early games, the books found themselves holding lopsided betting action on Minnesota. Detroit was a smell test pick. Pittsburgh, Baltimore was a smell test pick. Two popular picks by the public that easily covered the spread. Their fate was sealed by Kansas City, the most heavily bet favorite on the board Sunday. Cleveland was a smell test pick. (laughs) Kansas City closed as an eight-point favorite over Cleveland and won 37-21. 88% of the money wagered on the point spread at William Hills Sportsbooks in Nevada and New Jersey. We're on Kansas City. Uh, this from Jay Rude, the MGM vice president in ra- uh, of race and sports. Um, he said, uh, after 1 o'clock, quote, we were pretty much done at that point. Uh, Caesars head of risk operations, Jeff Davis, said, bad, really bad. We won one key decision today. 
uh, Jason McCormick from Station Casino Sportsbook said maybe the Dolphins, which had the least handle of the day, uh, but it was the worst Sunday of the season. Um, where are some of these other quotes? Uh, game, uh, Boyd Gaming Sportsbook Director Bob Scucci in an email said, the public just nailed it. They had the big favorites, Bears, Chiefs, Panthers, and Vikings, as well as the short dogs, the Texans, the Broncos were another smell test pick, and the Steelers, and a lot of overs. Uh, by the time we got to the two biggest games, Packers, Patriots, Rams, Saints, there were so many parlays alive <laughs> that we weren't going uh, that the public wasn't going to lose no matter what. Um, then there's this last line of this story, and it comes from Jake Cornegay, VP of uh, Race and Sports for Westgate in Las Vegas. Uh, good thing is, after all of the disaster on Sunday, good thing, quote, good thing, we'll be open on Tuesday. <laughs> Close quote. <laughs> to take um, your money. So what what so I've had a lot of people over the years say to me I thought they they they'll say I thought the goal was for sports books to even up the action and collect the vig collect the 10%. And yeah, they love it when they can even up the action and create a point spread that creates even action and just collect 10% on a large handle. All right, I've spent time as you know uh, in places that do this and have an understanding of it because they're on the other side of this betting equation. Um, and sure, they would love that, but it's not possible. And, and what happens is sometimes they will get the public loaded up on one side like they did on Sunday, um, and they are essentially betting. They're essentially now not in the in in the bet taking business, but they are in the wagering business. Yes, they, they need are. a side because the ten percent isn't going to overcome all of the action that the public has come in on. And it's the games in which you don't see them move that point spread point spread significantly to sort of attract people to the other side to try to even up the book. Those are a lot of times for me smell test plays. Like the Browns Chiefs line really never moved overwhelming action on Kansas City Sunday, and the line basically sat there at one point, to be honest with you, I think on Saturday afternoon it came down to 7.5. So it was almost like they were incenting more people to bet on the Chiefs. But sometimes it doesn't work out. Look, if the betting public always lost, there would be no betting anymore. No, there wouldn't. Okay, there wouldn't be any customers. And Sunday was a bloodbath for the house I talked to one of my guys, um, and he just said, he texted me and he just said, oh, what a painful day for us, <laughs> because he knew which side I was on, and he knew which side I would be on Sunday, because there were a lot of these you know, sort of public uh, plays, um, and so some of them with sharp money uh, on the other sides, too. And uh, it happens, but they'll be open Tuesday. They'll be open on Saturday and Sunday <laughs> to collect your bets. And what goes around in betting comes around yes, in betting. Uh, and that's not a regression to the mean thing either. Uh, that's just practical uh, experience. Um, here's another thing I wanted to talk to you about. Did you watch Bama on Saturday night? No. <laughs> I was out dancing Saturday night. What were you at? What were you doing? I was at Villain and Saint watching King Soul in Bethesda. Yes. God, you love that King Soul. That's a good little live music venue, don't you think? Yes, it is. Right there on Wisconsin Avenue. Yes, it is. A little bit too crowded sometimes. I've known a couple of the bartenders in there over the years. Um, 
Yeah, it's uh, so well, I didn't. It's, I didn't it's watch small. It it's tight. Yeah, it's tight. Yeah, and you know, I mean, you know, Lavero needs a little room to maneuver on the dance floor. <laughs> yeah, you, you do. Know? Yeah, the, the the dance floor needs a little room when Lavero's on there. <laughs> um, I I was sitting there watching Saturday night, hoping, really hoping for a close game. Actually, I, I did watch from uh, I watched from the, where I was sitting in the bar. I could see what was going I, on. I just wanted to see it. Really, it was like sixteen nothing forever. It was sixteen nothing forever. Yeah, Aaron, you were watching the game. the The beginning of that game, the, the noise in that stadium, you could just feel it. Watching now you've the been game. there for games, right? I went there for a Bam LSU game. I yeah. did, but on television Saturday night, you could just feel on that opening drive because LSU started on defense and Bama has scored a touchdown on every opening drive of every game this year. And basically at the end of first quarters of, of the Alabama games, they've been over. Yeah. I, what was the, I think the average score at the end of the first quarter in Alabama games this year was 21 to four. That was the average. Sounds right. It was something like the average first score for Alabama was like a minute 45 into the game or yeah. something like that. Yeah. I mean, if you're not even watching Bama games this year and you're seeing the scores pop up, it's like if they've got a 330 start, it's like at 335, it's already 21 nothing. You know, that's what it's been like all year. So so LSU got to stop. Now, they moved it down the field, and then there were a couple penalties, a couple things went wrong, and they got to stop. And I'm telling you, Tommy, like if, if you're into that kind of thing as a sports fan where you're rooting for a big favorite and you know this supposed all-time team to fall in an environment like Death Valley at night for a quick, quick moment you're like this could happen <laughs> but not only didn't it happen that was the highlight of the night they got run out of the building I mean they couldn't move the football at all this is the toughest environment that Bama will play in bar none I mean they're not going to have that in the Georgia Dome they're no. going to have home fields the rest of the way they play Mississippi State and Auburn both of those games are in Tuscaloosa then they'll have the Georgia Dome and then Aaron where are the two sites Dallas and what's the other one for the, the playoffs is it the orange bowl i think so i think it's the orange bowl i think it's dallas and miami so they will likely i would guess play in dallas dallas is probably closer to tuscaloosa than miami i don't know you know what i'll bet you miami's probably yeah it might be miami's probably about 10 hours from tuscaloosa that's what i would think yeah but um, they're going to have a home environment in one of those two venues, no matter yeah. what. So you so you saw the chance. Now it's really interesting. Like they play Mississippi State, they still play Auburn. These are two teams that have talent, especially on defense. What it is Miami? Yeah, it's Miami. Yeah, so it's Dallas and Miami, and then the championship game is uh, San Francisco. Oh, that's right, in Santa Clara. Yes. Um, so uh, I was thinking after watching them just destroy LSU in what was billed as the game of the year. Like right now, are they the most dominant team in all of sports and team sports? Golden State would be the other team you would look at and say maybe it's Golden State. But they are right now, like the NFL doesn't have, as good as the Rams were as, as an undefeated team, they lost. The Saints look awesome. New England looks awesome. Kansas City looks awesome. You know, there's not a dominant uh, – there's not a dominant hockey team right now, right? Nobody's dominant in hockey. Nobody was truly – I guess the Red Sox the Red were Sox. really dominant. The Red Sox were – people were talking yeah, about them I know. one of the best yeah. teams of all time. Yep. And they walked through the Dodgers, so the Red Sox are up there. So of the three, Golden State, Bama, Boston, Red Sox, 
Who right now is the best team in team sports? I got to say Alabama. Yeah, Alabama. Yeah. I mean, I don't see Although it. Golden, Golden State's State, awesome to watch. Yeah, I was going to say, Golden State would be the only one that would even come close. Golden State is not going to lose the... See, this is this is where I started thinking about this. Like, right now, it doesn't really appear as if Alabama could lose the national title. Although, I would like to see Bama up against Clemson. I, you, t- you know what? I'll say this. In the finals, if it's Bama-Clemson, I give Clemson a, ch- a better chance than anyone against Golden State in the NBA playoffs I this agree, year. because it's a one-and-done one yes. versus a best-of-seven. Yes, it is. That, so I, I would say that's true. I agree with Aaron on that. Do you agree with him? Yeah, the notion of a one-and-done. Uh, David can always beat Goliath in one-and-done. And the David would be Clemson. Yeah. <laughs> so that's not much of a David. No. It's two uh, true Goliaths. In fact, what we're watching right now could be it could be Nick Saban's best team ever. Certainly it is offensively. And it could be Dabo Sweeney's best team. It could be Clemson's best team. This might be Clemson's best defensive team that we've seen. And the quarterback is great. Now, Deshaun Watson was great, too, when they won it. Uh, but, yeah, I think I would say Golden State. They won again last night. Uh Tell you what, there's some interesting. I know you don't care about this in in November, and no one else listening really cares about it. But there are a couple of interesting things in the NBA let's right not, now. Let's not even mention those. Toronto and Denver. Let's not even mention. Those. <laughs> what if we want to talk about the Wizards? I want to talk about my column. Okay, let's talk about your column. Were you listening to the post game press conference on Sunday? Uh, of course I was. <laughs> did you hear my question? Uh, of course I did. Can we? Do we have it? Can we play it? The five games that you won, you took the lead early. Yeah. Three games that you lost, you fell behind. Is that enough of a pattern to be concerned, or is that still random? <laughs> That's uh, so condescending. You know, um, it's a great question. I thought of that. I mean, I think we've been in a bunch of close games, so certainly it hasn't. I know maybe we had the lead, but they're still back and forth. They're even games. They're one-score games. So we've been in we've been in some tight situations. We've been in big moments. I think those are learning experience for us as a football team okay that, that's all we, we that's yeah, all we he, needed he, to hear. he didn't but, have an answer yeah because you know I, when he was answering and you're right he didn't really have an answer i was thinking to myself mm, what are what are the real tight situations they've been in you know they were in a tight situation defensively against carolina at the end and they dallas a, and dallas at the end on defense uh, the Packers really, uh, by the time you got to the last five minutes, it was already 31, 17 or, you know, it was a one actually, you know what? I mean, no, they were never even green Bay never even got it to a one score game. Did they? I don't think they did. So uh, he, they have not been in really thinking about this. Have they been in one game this year where they needed a fourth quarter drive to either ice the game no. or to win the game? No, no. Absolutely not. And, you know, it's funny because I asked the same question of him a couple weeks ago, uh, and I and he looked at me like I had two heads. I know. And he said, he basically said, are you kidding me? What are you bothering me with this kind of question for? So yeah, this was your column idea. You, did you know this was going to be your column uh, well, yeah. when you arrived, at the, when, when you sat down at your seat at the yeah. stadium? You did. Yeah, I, I knew it was because I think after eight games <laughs> where, I mean, it, it's clearly a pattern. Uh, and it clearly addresses the issue of whether the quarterback is capable of mounting a quick strike offense that you need sometimes in a comeback situation as compared to the guy who they used to have who was perfectly capable of doing it. The whole point of this 
and I think it's Jay's Gruden's issue as well, is the Redskins, right or wrong, everything was about the quarterback last year. And and the whole time Kirk Cousins was here, win or lose, it was on the quarterback. That's not the case anymore. And that's a problem. That's a problem for them. I know, but I, I don't know why they didn't know this. Those of us that watched Alex Smith saw the good things in Alex Smith, right? He's an extend-the-play quarterback. He He's able to really use his legs. Um, but, you know, he, he wasn't this potential top 10 kind of guy, not to mention the fact that he wasn't 25 years yes. old either. Yes, 35. Going on 34 years old. But Tommy, I don't want to lose this one thought. They were in a position where because of, in my view, and a lot of people's views, not necessarily theirs, they messed up the situation they had with a franchise quarterback. Football front office malfeasance. It was. uh, That they had to come up with a solution because... You know, if just the players, the 22 players coming off injured reserve last year, we're going to provide them with a decent football team. Not a great football team, but a team that was going to be improved on defense and would have been improved defensively last year had those defensive players stayed healthy. Uh, that were that hopefully was going to be you know relatively healthy compared to a year ago, and now we're getting into a situation where they're not. But they had this sense that you know they had to make it happen, that they had to get to the playoffs this year. And no offense, but they came to the conclusion that it wasn't going to be Colt McCoy. Um, I think that was the right decision. And they clearly, I hope, came to the conclusion that they couldn't make a move for a young quarterback that would have an impact this year or in a big way down the road. Because Jay Gruden says he never even evaluated the college quarterbacks. Remember he said that. Which is so bizarre. Weird. I mean, very bizarre. Um, because I think that was an option for them. Well, it, it, that should have been the other option. It's like yeah. we either we either say to ourselves, we're building for the future and we're going to draft our quarterback here. We might have to trade up to draft the quarterback and give up something. But if we really like the guy, we're going to go that route with a young defense and really build for two, three years down the road. Or the the conclusion they came to, hopefully, was they didn't like any of the quarterbacks, although Jay Gruden never evaluated any any of the quarterbacks. Or we're going to go get a solid veteran quarterback that has the, in their mind's eye, is as good or better than the guy that we just had, but even better than that, he's a leader. <laughs> And so it, they they spent the money on him. It's driving you nuts, but, isn't it? But, well, what drives me nuts is I, what they should have been thinking is we're getting a guy that's a leader, that's a good, a legitimate starting quarterback that we can build, we can come back with our 22 players off injured reserve and have a good team that has a chance to go to the playoffs this year. That's what they should have been thinking. They shouldn't have been thinking we've got a guy that now with this team, but now we've got a much better quarterback and we've got a guy that can really take us to a much larger level. They shouldn't have been thinking that. They should have been thinking we got a guy with all of these pieces around him that we can win with, and if we put in a rookie or if we put in Colt McCoy, we're going to be wasting that opportunity for this year. So I hope they were thinking about that, which I agreed with. I didn't have a problem with the trade. But think about I think th- I think the trade, if they evaluated the young quarterbacks and came to the conclusion that there wasn't anybody they loved, then they should have gone the Alex Smith route. But well, you but and I did. also both know that there was some urgency yes. 
about this year. I, I, I'll, I'll grant that. Let's just point out one thing, though. With all that, all that said, if they don't pick up Adrian Peterson, no, oh, I know they're not. They're five a mess and three. offensively. Right, mess. they're not five and three. Complete and utter mess offensively. Yeah. They have no hope off. Uh, no, their only hope offensively this year has been Adrian Peterson. Yeah, and and what a difference Adrian Peterson has made in a running game that was non-existent yes. for several years. Yes. Now it's been non-existent in three losses. Yes. Because of them getting behind in yeah. games. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> See what that. I did there. Imagine that. See, you got you got credit for that. Um. I will say this. It's uh, to his point that he made in in his answer which was much longer than what we played when you're playing a team like Atlanta and you get down three scores not many teams are coming back against Atlanta down three scores you can't like it's not like Alex Smith is the only guy that can't come back against Atlanta there are a lot of teams that would have gotten down 21-7 at halftime and had a really difficult time coming you know, back I, against the team Atlanta they're playing this Sunday wouldn't have had a hard time no, Fitzpatrick seems to bring him yeah. back. Uh, you know, does it all the time. Yeah, he may wind up giving it to you eventually. Yeah, but he's going to bring you back. He's going to make it a game. It's almost like Ryan Fitzpatrick is sort of the guy that Gruden would really like to have. The guy <laughs> that's because remember, he wanted Kirk to take more chances. Yes. And he thought he was getting a guy that was going to take more chances. I don't know why. I they don't know why that. they would have thought that. I mean, but but then again, there was I think one person making the trade. And I don't know how much Bruce really knew about Alex Smith other than this will get me off the hook for the other stuff <laughs> and we'll have a chance to win. And I, and I agree with that. And they still have a chance to win with Alex Smith. Alex Smith is a good quarterback. He's just not as good as the last guy. But he's a good quarterback and you can win with him if everything around him is working. But... They believed, I do believe they believed, that he was more than that. And that's why this Sunday, to me, is a big moment for the organization. It is. Because he's going to he's gonna have to make Alex some magic Smith. happen. Yes. And the defense is going to, the defense is totally capable of stepping up Sunday. Yes, they are. And picking off Ryan Fitzpatrick exactly. twice. Exactly. I mean, the defense could wind up scoring once, maybe even twice in a game like this. Has it scored at all this year, the defense? Uh, yeah. Well, the Preston Smith. Oh yeah, uh, against Dallas. Yeah, yeah, against Dallas. Right. Yeah. So they they're Massive capable play. of that. Yeah. Uh, the the play of the, the game. The play of the game. They won that game. The yeah, defense they're did. They're capable of doing it again. I agree. I agree. And Sunday would be one of those spots that they could do it. They could do it. Yeah. Here's the last word. If you want to read my column, you can read it in the Washington Times, WashingtonTimes.com. You can hear me on WJFK with Chad Dukes on Wednesdays tomorrow, four to six, and Saturday mornings with Andy Poland, nine to noon. Uh, and you know, those great call and what I would do too, is I would tune in, although NBC sports, Washington, can you give us the whole press conference, please? After the game, I don't know why somebody there over the years at times have felt like they should get out of the Jay Gruden post game press conference. Why? Well, actually, it only lasted three minutes this it, time. No, Sunday it did. It only lasted three minutes. It only minutes. lasted three minutes, um, 28 seconds. But they have a couple of times this year bailed on yeah, it. Yeah, they have. Why? I don't know. Like, what else? Are you, I mean, look, I love Trevor, uh, Brian, the whole gang. Julie, love you. Great job that you guys are doing. You guys are going to have plenty of time 
to get to the game. And we're going to have plenty of time for JP to be interviewing uh, Morgan Moses. Morgan Moses. <laughs> but right now, I want to hear the coach start to finish. I want to make sure I've heard every single word he has said and the quarterback has said after the game. Those are the two reasons. You know, post-game, as a Redskin it. fan after a game, you want to hear the coach and every question and every answer and the quarterback, every every question and every answer. It's Kevin, not that hard. How can, people hear somebody, every, how can people hear every word of this podcast? Well, um, they can do that by uh, downloading it on iTunes, like many of you have. But we're talking to people who are already listening to the podcast, so we don't have to really promote to them how to listen to the podcast. What we would promote or ask of you is that, and many of you have done this, um, so thank you, and seriously thank you, because I know many of you have, um, have told people who have said, hey, want to listen to Sheehan, want to listen to Lavero, want to listen to Cooley every every once in a while on this podcast. Yeah, it's really easy. Just go to the thekevinsheehanshow.com, and it is easy to do that. Also, if you're listening on iTunes or Stitcher or, or Google Play or TuneIn or any of those places, and they give you a chance to rate it, uh, more times than not, you have to subscribe, but subscribe does not mean you're paying. It's totally free, and it doesn't mean you're giving any valuable information away either. But um, rate it. That helps us as well. And many of you have answered that call too because I've seen yes. the ratings um, go up since those first few weeks. Also, real quickly, if you uh, live in the Bethesda Chevy Chase Upper Northwest DC area and you don't want a long commute and it's too hard to get work done uh, work done from home because of the dogs or kids or whatever, check out uh, Launch Workplaces in Bethesda. It's launchworkplaces.com. Uh, you can call today, 240-800-6714 for an exclusive free two-day trial if you mention that you heard it from me. All right, Launch Workplaces.com or 240-800-6714 for a free two-day trial. This is what Launch Workplaces provides in Bethesda. It's a very flexible, affordable, private office solution, beautiful new space, fully furnished offices, conference rooms, co-working desks, high-speed internet, uh, a cafe, complimentary, complimentary drinks, access 24-7, and free parking, which is so Huge. Uh, get more work done today by moving your office to launch workplaces. Again, uh, if you mention me, an exclusive free two-day trial at 240-867-14 or launchworkplaces.com. Did we get to everything we wanted to get to? I wanted I to talk a little did. bit about the Wizards with you, but I don't think anybody nah, cares. Nobody cares. See, I mean, you know, they're on the comeback. But did trail. you see I what Austin Rivers? It. You saw Austin Rivers basically said it runs a little bit deeper than yes. just defense. Yes, it did. Well, now that Dwight Howard's back, he's going to be their emotional center. <laughs> he's actually played pretty well in the first two games. Uh, they play tonight. Maryland basketball opens up their season tonight against Delaware. I'm looking forward to that. And do you get into election night? I love election night. Uh. Yes. I mean, you know what? I used to work a lot of election nights when I was a newspaper right. reporter, and, and that's very fun and, and exciting. I don't like it as much as I used to because uh, cable news has ruined everything, pretty much. Well, why don't you just watch it on the networks when they come on at 10 o'clock you know with what? the beginning I, of the results I'd like all the old people do? I'd rather watch the Rocket Files <laughs> reruns. I, I think election nights are... You know what? It's the competition of it that's fun. It is sort of like watching a sporting event. Yes, it is. Uh, and if you have a rooting interest, it gets really uh, heated. Uh, there's a there's a group that uh, 
has gotten together for a lot of election nights over the years that I'll be doing that tonight. Uh-huh. Um, and it's a lot of mixed views, Okay, which makes it quite an interesting night. But I'll be watching the Terps somehow. The Wizards play tonight. So we got a lot of sports to talk about tomorrow. Also, on the show tomorrow, Gary Williams will be on and Doc Walker Whoa! will be on the show. <laughs> uh, thanks to John Kime. Thanks to Aaron. Have a great day, everybody. Take care.